Hello there. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I am your host, Key, and I am joined by Deck and Claudia with a K. On today's episode, we wanted to talk about Loaded Weapon. Let's see it. Sure. A cop burned out on love and the job joins the veteran who plays by the rules. But moments away from his retirement, a case gets personal. Can this mix-match of personalities and a Hollywood-sized special effects budget defeat a villain so dastardly that he even started wars? Probably. It is a cop film, after all. Ah, come on. It's more than that. I'll give you a more professional synopsis. So, in the wake of his former partner, Gruesome Mordor, the experienced LAPD detective, Wes Logger, finds himself following a faint trail of crumbs in the last and the most important case of his career. Now, to catch the elusive killer, Wes reluctantly teams up with Jack Colt, a grieving loner and loose cannon. And no movie franchise is safe, including Lethal Weapon, Dirty Harry, Die Hard and The Silence of the Lambs. Before long, the seductively cryptic owner of the Wilderness Girls Cookie Factory, Miss Demeanor, becomes embroiled, embroiled in the dangerous criminal conspiracy orchestrated by the nefarious Vietnam War veteran, General Mortars. And the bullets start flying. Can he mismatch duo Twart Ruthless Mortar's master plan? Do they deserve a sequel? So you wrote that yourself? Maybe. You ripped it off Wikipedia, didn't you? I don't know what you're talking about. It was actually IMDB, if you must know. I thought she took it off this DVD case. <laughs> I dug it out of the landfill from five years ago. The cover was missing. <laughs> Yeah, but she took it away after we finished watching it, so I had to, you know, get creative. <laughs> okay, so that's a little bit on the story. So how about some likes from people? Uh, I can kick it off. I think this film really shows how to do absurdist comedy really well and just have great fun along the way. Almost every frame has jokes, from visual gags to visual comedy callbacks it all plays well because sometimes a joke will start in one scene and following on with it in another scene later with a small bit of separation but it's still fresh enough in your mind that you can still get the callback you can get the same joke to work twice an example of this is when the character cult shows his cop badge and it flies off like a ninja death star and we hear someone out of frame scream in pain which already can get a bit of a laugh. And then a little bit later, we see characters walk down a hallway and Colt is seen removing his badge from that dude we heard who was pinned against the wall. An extra gag that wasn't needed, but really built well on what came before it. This shows that paying attention throughout a comedy film can really pay off. The jokes per minute in this film is really impressive and is pushing a limit there that isn't usually seen in other comedies. The runtime is pretty brisk too, so it's not too much out of your day to catch it. And yeah, like I said, 
it does reward you for paying attention that I don't think other comedies really have been doing for quite some time now. Uh, Deck? Yeah, no, definitely the, the... What I liked about it was the jokes and the cameos. They're, they're, they are brilliant. I mean, it's basically like spotting people throughout the film. Um, and everyone is just hamming it up. Like, it is so much ham that if you ordered a ham and cheese sandwich, there would be no cheese in it. It is just ham. But then the ham is covered in cheese. There's probably no bread. It is just a ham sandwich covered in cheese it is so hammy and cheesy i'm trying to picture this and i'm like i think i've gone so far in where it is basically a slice of ham rum ham yes rum ham of course and then there is cheese wrapped around this ham so within the ham the actors are hamming it up but that is circled by the cheese of them hamming it up because they're obviously dealt with a very cheesy script uh, so they're hamming up the cheesy script and then you have baked bacon on the bread I think this is just a pork loin joint dipped in fondue yes yeah yeah yeah. let's stick with rum ham yeah yeah um, yeah so like there is like a ton of jokes in this film and I think there's definitely a lot of fun to be had with it um, and you could definitely kind of pick off the vibes that I'd say this was just a ton of fun to make um, like it the film was released in 1993. So those kind of spoof comedies of the, the 80s and early 90s. This was kind of right at the end of that where you could definitely see everyone just enjoyed making these kind of films. And in particular, the I know we'll discuss cameos a bit more further on. But just in particular, some of the little cameos that I really enjoyed was one from Phil Hartman, uh, who you may remember from. Um, he did voice Lionel Hutz in the... Um, and Troy McClure in The Simpsons. Um, sadly passed away, but outstanding comedic actor. And he does have a small little part here where um, it is like a stand-up bit joke. And it's just, you're, you're playing to this actor's strengths. And, you know, it, it, it was just a joy to see him in there. And uh, our, our two main leads are Samuel Jackson and Emilio Estevez. So, like any film of the 80s and 90s nearly, whoever is... And if it's Martin Sheen or if it's Charlie Sheen or Emilio Estevez, it's nearly always one or the other is going to cameo in their film. So Samuel Jackson and Emilio Estevez are leads. So Charlie Sheen gets a cameo. And I thought, oh, maybe they're going to cross over paths. But no, it's just this. They basically are just ignoring each other, uh, which I always thought was, you know, was random. But it was it was actually quite funny. And um, one that I kind of spotted just out of just pure randomness i mean that's kind of the idea of these cameos was denise richards uh, well before she made a beak as well and i think she was an ex-wife of charlie sheen as well so maybe they were dating at the time and charlie sheen was like ah sure come on this movie said and stand there and look pretty um she doesn't have any lines or anything like that but i did find it quite quite funny um seeing her in there but i think my major like about this is the two leads. It's Samuel Jackson and Emilio Estevez. They're just bouncing off each other so well that like body cop films and those kind of random pairings, I think it's always a good sign. And in in this one in particular, I think the two guys are just they just bounce off each other so well where you're like, they must have had a laugh. Uh, 
while filming this. And Claudia, any nice things you'd like to add? Uh, I actually wrote that bit by myself. You know, I was jotting little notes here and there uh, throughout watching the movie. So the opening scene, I loved it. It's like the Banjax Cadillac badass moment, followed by a shot of uh, the character's feet and then the cigarette it's put out and then the cigar and then the pipe. So then there was another scene uh, where Colt is looking at the magazines and then the CCTV uh, is like peeping over his shoulder. Like, was that supposed to be like a Matrix prequel or something? Um, then you have the, the voicemail uh, message. I mean, brilliant. I nearly wanted to record a similar uh, voice uh, voice uh, message myself. So leave a message after the tone. Silence. Then the character starts speaking and it's like, after the tone, I said... Um, but look, I mean, I would be here all evening kind of listing out uh, the scenes I like. But essentially, that's what it is for me. Um, I like individual scenes. You get the, the jokes and the laughs uh, with it as opposed to kind of, you know, the whole movie. A story is a story after all. Um, but what it is about this particular one, it's the jokes. Okay, and moving on to some things that we didn't quite show it that we had a bit of a dislike for in the movie. Claudia? Yeah, so for me, like unless you watched all the movies um, that, you know, it's referencing, you are absolutely fudged. Uh, so half of the jokes uh, would go over your head, literally. For example, I've never seen Dirty Harry. So two of you were watching and, and giggling away. And I was like, ha ha ha, uh, what? <laughs> so that, that would be kind of the only uh, dislike for me. And I think the cover as well myself i think the film is very dense in jokes as my co-host has picked up on and if you miss one bit you kind of can end up missing another because some do build upon each other to gather up steam but usually things are done relatively quick and onto the next set of jokes quickly enough that you can get back into the groove of it it comes back around again and I also feel Tim Curry could have been a little bit more fun. He is very good in the role. There are some really great scenes for him, but I feel that you can still get a bit more out of Tim Curry at that time, especially, and that maybe he just wasn't given as many lines as he could possibly have been. But with that cast, I understand it can be quite hard to divide things up that way. Also, some characters like Luger have jokes that play more into the lines themselves rather than the visual gag humor. And some viewers mightn't pick up on them as easy as they're not quite as visual. So when you're used to looking for the jokes in one way and this is delivered in another form, it just might slip by you. So this can cause some jokes to not land until the second viewing when you're trying to find the stuff that you missed the first time through. Uh, Dick? Yeah, for myself, look, it's um, it can feel a bit much at times. And if you miss a joke halfway through the punchline, you're, you're kind of rolling into the next one. Um, so it, it can feel a little bit much with the jokes where it's it doesn't allow you to breathe with any of the kind of jokes where you're kind of like laughing and then it will just, while you're laughing, it is setting up or it is getting to a punchline of another joke. And you're kind of like going in and you're like, oh, that's the punchline, but I didn't get the setup for the joke. Um, so like where most of the jokes do land, um, 
it can feel at times where it's like, okay, we get it. You can move on. Um, and I understand that that was the time of these kind of films as well, where it was that kind of spoof kind of an idea, but it does kind of nearly beat you over the head with the amount of jokes. Um, we don't get me wrong on a first time viewing. It is funny, but as you kind of leave it sit, you are kind of thinking, Hmm. Okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, um, the way the analogy I will look at it, it's kind of like you're you're constantly eating it like a chip after a chip after a chip, you know. So it's like a good bag of chips, and you're like, oh, chip one, and you're not even swallow chip one. You eat chip two, and you're eating chip three, and then chip four, and chip five, and it goes on and on to the point of where you're kind of like you're nearly too full from the jokes, kind of a situation. Um, I do think it is like structured very well um for for its runtime but it it could have allowed itself that time of just okay let's take a break for five ten minutes and i don't know you know just just have the characters just joking around with each other but not kind of oh this is a joke this is a you know it, it's not like just give us a breather um for a film that's about an hour and a half hour 20 could have spent maybe 10 15 minutes of just okay we've we've thrown a lot of jokes at you we're just going to give you a little bit of moment um or just space them out that little bit better where it can't give you that moment of oh i've stopped laughing now oh there's another one you know um it may, it may have worked better in its in its structure as a film yeah this is a national lampoon film and they were really quite good for their time I and mean, pushing boundaries in comedy and I think with this project they really just let wild and might have gotten a little bit too optimistic with it and because this film how it seems to be so constantly changing and moving through jokes I know you wonder how many things were really hammered in on script or were they even improvising on, on set because, yeah, this just goes at such a fast, fast pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For its runtime, you're kind of like Jesus. You know, give give us a second or so. Like, um, but yeah, no. National Lampoon are, are quite are quite high with their with their their comedy films. Of course, the Vacation ones with with Chevy Chase, um, and it this definitely feels like oh. You, you could get away with some of this stuff being improvised on the set. And you do have a lot of actors that are quite nimble with their improv skills as well. So um, it, it could have worked. Okay, guys. Can I say it yet? Wait, what? Trivia time! And I'm going to go first. So, although this movie is called Loaded Weapon 1... It does not represent the number of weapons that we see. It's just, you know, the sequel never happened. Um, funnily enough, the deal was made for the sequel before this, uh, or I suppose this or the first one, went into production. So they even went as far as printing posters with a tagline, oh, come on, you knew it was coming. But as the cinema goes... Uh, due to this movie flopping at the box office, they decided not to proceed with the sequel. Um, 
funny enough, uh, in terms of national um, lampoon uh, movies, um, actually this particular one uh, received a number of awards and nominations. Um, so they're all kind of listed on the DVD cover if you want to check it out. But uh, the best moonlit uh, butt shot, uh, best product placement, best performance by a beaver in the supporting role. I mean, you know, that is that is a really important nomination to have. Um, so then you have best expression on the dead body since Hoffa. I mean, did you know that? And um, essentially, a final one, best overworked plot since Police Academy 5. There you go. That's the best Police Academy film as well, I think. I wonder if these were awards and nominations in National Lampoon magazine. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) They have. Yes, (laughs) they were. But they are legitimately printed on the DVD cover. But for each one, like, best wounded bloodshot is like, cult. Is it cult? Yeah, cult. Where are you going? Oh, nowhere. Just taking one of those ass in the moonlight walks. (laughs) (laughs) Best prop placement, head and shoulders. (laughs) Actually, yes. It's itching. That means it's working, Irv. (laughs) But now, Deck. I also have one more thing. Your favorite game. How many cameos have you spotted? I counted 16. So you've got a list of them here. And I'm like, yeah, I actually did spot a lot of them. And what I recognize them from. So Denise Richards is one that you've listed. And she's casted as Sydney. Now, as I said in my likes, I didn't know. She was kind of a background character to smile. I didn't know if she had any... um, lines or anything like that or even a character name you have Uh, to start somewhere true very true very true um you also have john lovitz um who is playing tim becker john lovitz of course is a very famous comedic actor um in a spoof of hannibal um from the silence of the lambs uh f murray abraham was playing uh which is listed here as dr harold leecher um, so it's obviously not, you know, the Hannibal's actual name, just in case they wanted to get, didn't want to get sued. Um, we do got the, the two main actors from Chips, which was a, a 70s cop show. Um, both of them are, are cameo as their characters from Chips. There's also Richard Mole, uh, who is listed as a prison attendant. Now, this guy I actually do know. So he did voice... Two-Face um, in the Batman the Animated Series uh, back in the 90s. Um, yeah. I think that's all. We do have one other cameo. Oh, and I, I think he was kind of an up-and-coming actor at the time. Um, Bruce Willis. I know he did a few... I think he did a TV sitcom um, and then he was casted in this film as well. Now, he may have had some other work in between. But um, Bruce Willis, who is he? I'm, Put up I'm his not, picture. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I do. I not didn't th- think he was making any effort on set. He wasn't even wearing a top with sleeves. Uh, yeah, I'm like, what? Well, what is he doing? Like, yeah. Um, oh, he's the dude from Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was the guy that was in the vents in Die Hard. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Now I do recognize him. Um, right, but anyway, that is all uh, trivia from me. Well, trivia and a little game um, I played. But uh, what do you have, gentlemen? So, 
As we were saying in the cameos, the two guys from Chips are do appear in this. And the scene that we do find them in, they've got their weapons drawn in a gunfight. And now I've never really watched Chips. I've never really sat down to watch an episode of it. Um, but according to this, the trivia that we found on IMDb, in the scene in Loaded Weapon, they've got their weapons drawn. But in Chips, they never draw their weapons. So they're cops, but they never draw their weapons. And the other bit is both Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson's characters are named after guns. So there's Colt and Luger. So this this is actually a little bit of a, a reference to Lille Weapon as well, where Riggs and Marta are using a Smith & Western, a Beretta and a Smith & Western. But I do think I, I like the little nod that the characters are named after weapons. So Samuel Jackson's character is Wes Luger and Emilio Estevez's character is Jack Colt. So very American. Well, Wes Luger is a very German name and Jack Colt is a very American. I feel like an eagle would fly past every time you would mention that name. And uh, for myself, some nice bits of trivia I found while looking a little bit more into this movie the scene where the actor playing a Hannibal Lecter-style character, he actually falls over in his restraints. This wasn't actually scripted. It genuinely happened on set, and the director found it too hilarious to cut out, so it made it into the final cut of the film. Another bit is that Luger's cologne is high karate. In The Incredibles, in 2004, Frozone, also played by Samuel L. Jackson, is seen using the same brand of cologne. Even though it's a bit more future region and past region of trivia and phil hartman who not only played the stand-up officer but he also played the tv presenter reacting to the character mike mccracken getting shot on screen now that might be a bit lower res back in the 90s tvs but it's a nice dual role we use a three-tiered rating system starting down to bottom we have don't see it when we give out this recommendation it's usually something that we didn't like it or we're not really seeing something there and generally we think it's something that you can miss moving up to the middle we have maybe see it this is something that we did enjoy and we saw some positives to the film but we don't see enough there to give it a flat out recommendation to definitely go out and watch this film and moving up to the top, we have a See It. See It is something that we really enjoy the film. We liked what we saw. It's something that we think other people would enjoy and can take something away from. And this is something we'll kind of reserve for something that really clicked with us while we were watching the film. So to start it off, Claudia. Um, It's a don't see it for me. What? Oh, angry looks, angry looks again. Oh my you, God, is you, that in life? Having, you have in your notes, maybe see it. <laughs> of all the times to go off script. <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted to see your uh, facial expressions. Um, that's all. No, honestly, um, it is a maybe see it for me. So like, all right, jokes. Obviously, we all kind of had fun with it. But God, some of them would definitely not pass with a contemporary audience if that if that movie was made in 2023 so it, it was good for me to see it believe it or not i have not seen many national lampoon films 
Um, but I'm not sure if I would kind of watch it again, if you know what I mean. So for me, it's kind of tick the box and uh, move on type of a movie. So I'm still in the camp of a maybe see it. Um, it is a lot of fun, but there is pacing issues with the jokes for me. And like, it does stop from being a, a like a must see it. Like I, I see it. Um, I think it does just hold back from it and it probably would stop the film from being, you know, for anyone really, you know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, you could sit down and recommend it. Um, they might get a good enjoyment out of it, but they may come away and go, Oh, you know, um, we don't really get these kind of comedies made anymore. I know we've had spoofs and things like that, but with this one, it is, it is kind of, uh, you know, it is a maybe see it. Uh, with, with its with its pacing issues and just with the jokes and things like that, I think it's it's fine for me, you know. Okay, and guess to close it out, any final words? Um, like I think for me, just thank you for kind of introducing it to me. Uh it's definitely not something I would have picked up myself so I definitely had fun watching it but um, out of interest are there any other kind of National Lampoon films that you feel are kind of underestimated key? Uh, For myself I've seen some of them not too many of them I've seen bits of the Family Vacation movies they didn't hit as well for me I think on the comedy as Loaded Weapon 1 Van Wilder, I didn't actually realise was a National Lampoon film, but I do remember quite liking that as a film. And it's quite fun, really, back in the day, getting to see Ryan Reynolds have some fun with the role. And I'd have to kind of look up for any other ones that they've done. But actually, on National Lampoon, not technically them, Netflix actually had a pretty good film starring an actor from Community, talking about the lives of the people that set up National Lampoon, some of the real comedic minds behind it, and it's quite funny in its own right as well. I can definitely actually recommend that as something to check out, even though I said it's not quite National Lampoon, but I think they do kind of recapture some of that chaotic, comedic energy that went into it behind the scenes. Dick? Before we go on from that, you do need to give your rating. Oh, yes. Ashen <laughs> <laughs> going back. It is a see it for me. Even if the jokes do go past people at times, I still find this film always gets last with people seeing it for the first time. And it can be a really fun group watch as well that everybody can enjoy something out of it in most cases. I find this film underrated as a comedy because it is one worth watching once. Most modern comedies don't make me laugh as much as this one does from the first time I saw it to the times I see it again with even old friends, new friends and all the like. And comedies these days, they don't lean into the suspension of disbelief to pursue a joke like this, the way this film does. They don't commit to the bit that much. It's as if they're afraid that the audiences won't the audiences won't go along with it but sometimes it pays off it is such a shame that it underperformed at the box office and it didn't become an example for other films to really try and push further a bit more and now fast for now fast forwarding to your closing words Declan <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm glad I 
watched it and I probably would watch it again if it was a case of like, oh, we're having a movie night or something like that. I would kind of give it another watch. But recommending it to others, I'm kind of like, if you're in the mood for one of those kind of 80s, early 90s spoofs, it is in that kind of category. Um, I do things, I, I think things like Airplane and Hot Shots, but one and part two are much better. But this is still quite good. It does have a couple of issues, but it is still quite good. Yeah, I always have fun introducing this film to people and also rewatching with others. I do know some people that can even remember lines of the film to this day, even though it's been years since they've watched it. And that was an episode of Let's See It Sure. Actually, that bit when I changed my rating (laughs) is quite funny. (laughs) 